seated. Uh, I want to dismiss our school-age kids at the back. I think they're going with, um, oh, the McKenzie's. going to be a good time back there this morning. Uh, I love that song they just uh, played. Um, when we first started the church, we used to sing that song all the time. And uh, I remember when I was ordained, I guess about 10 years ago, I got a request for a song, and I requested that song uh, right there. And so, um, and I'm not crying, so that's a huge win right now, guys. That's a huge win, um, above and beyond kind of God. And so, um, hey, let me pray for us. Father, as we just sang, uh, you are the king upon the throne. And there is something that is so joyful, peaceful, empowering to declare that you are the king upon the throne. So, Father, as we open your word today and we expound upon your word and learn from your word and have your word uh, pierce and convict and remind us of who you are and your love for us, we are reminded that you are the king upon the throne. And Father, our role is to submit to the king. But the, the beauty of the gospel is that you're a king who is loving, who is kind, who is patient. You're a good king. You're a father king. And so, Father, I pray today that today would be, even during this sermon, a time of worship as we revel at who we are in your kingdom. We love you, Jesus, and we pray and ask all this in your name. Amen. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians 9. If you want to go ahead and turn there. And we are in the middle of this series initiative entitled Above and Beyond. And uh, we're here, and this is in Paul's letter to the church. And I, we're going to go through a lot of these verses, but I want to start with these verses right here in verse 6 and 7. Paul kind of sums it up. He says, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And we all ran to the doors as uh, we talk about a cheerful giver. Um, you know, on some level, whether you're church or unchurched, you have kind of heard these themes before, right? That uh, you reap what you sow. Um, this, even this idea that's somewhat true in the church has been bad, that uh, a pastor will come up here and he'll say, okay. If you give a lot, God will bless you a lot and do it with a smile on your face, a cheerful giver. We've seen that. If we're honest, we're repulsed by that. Um, 
and with the health and wealth gospel, um, we have like ran from that. And, and, and that is correct. Cause I, I even think about my late grandmother, um, when my mother and my aunt took over her finances and they, and she was not a wealthy woman. They found thousands of dollars sent to TV evangelist and it's heartbreaking, isn't it? And honestly, it makes us a, a bit mad. And so in light of that, we tend to like say, yeah, that's there, but we kind of stay away from it. It's like, it's been so abused that we like can't talk about it, but that, that's not true. Um, and we've swung too far, but the truth is when we truly see what God has for us in this passage, um, uh, the correct kind of teaching, not the, the stolen teaching of false teachers, honestly, but the teaching that God has for us, it's not really about money, but it is about money. Because there is this sense, friends, that we sang this song just now, right? I just said this, that he is the king upon the throne. And Jesus came so that we could live in his kingdom today. Not in the afterlife, of course that, but that we can live in kingdom power today and kingdom reality today. You, you know, we talk about, we look forward to that day in Revelations where there'll be no more tears, no more sickness. But, but friends, in the here and now, there should be elements in that among God's people. The whole book of Acts is about this. It's this picture of the power of God and the rule of God without God physically being here himself. We see all these things happen in the book of Acts, right? And it's through seeing God's kingdom lived here on earth today. But Paul's point, yes, he's trying to get an offering from people, but his even bigger point is that money many times is the obstacle. It's the roadblock to a kingdom life. And that's where Paul wants to focus today for us. So let's go to verse one. And as we do this, I want to remind us, Paul here in this passage, he is getting an offering from the Gentile churches for the needy churches in Judea. For these churches that have great need, he is going to these churches in these surrounding areas trying to provide for these other believers. So verse one, he says this, now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you for I know your eagerness a good salesman right there. He's already assuming they're going to give a lot. And I boast about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been here, been ready since last year and your zeal has stirred up most of them. You see the body of Christ being open-handed and, and generous is creating this culture, this excitement of being generous. Verse three, but I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty. In a sense, we've heard you talk about this. It's time to kind of show it. And so that you would be ready, just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in that situation. Therefore, I consider it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. He wants it to be ready to give this offering to these churches. Back to verse six, he says here, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, since God loves a cheerful giver. So, so here's the, Paul is writing them. He does not want them to feel unprepared, uh, pressured, reluctant to give to this offering. However, he also doesn't want them to miss out on something. He says, you're going you're gonna to reap what you sow. There is something out there he does not want his people to miss out on. So what does he do? We see it here in verse, verse 7. He goes to their heart. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart. Because he knows that money and generosity are always, always a heart issue. And he used this word here. He says, God loves a cheerful giver. And you hear this word cheerful, and I think about like, you know, <laughs> here's my money. I think about this idea like very mild cheerful. But as, as I said this week, this comes honestly from this Greek word, hilaros. And it really means it's our root for the word hilarious. And what Paul is really trying to kind of show his people is that it's this idea of overwhelming abundance. And this abundance that creates this exuberant joy. We're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. So a few weeks ago, uh, Connor, uh, not McDonald, my son, uh, went to Party Central. He might have went there too, I have no idea. Um, uh, we were at Party Central and uh, he was doing one of these games where you try to win tickets. You know, that scam. And, um, <laughs> and he's there and he gets the jackpot and he wins 500 tickets. And they start just flowing out. And, I, and Connor's going, <laughs> because there is this idea, it's just he's overwhelmed at the abundance of what has come, right? Where this, have you ever been like to a sporting event? Uh, now I'm a Cowboys fan, so not very often, where you go and your team just keeps scoring. They score and they score and they score and you and your friends are at the game and y'all are like high-fiving and you're laughing and you're, you're cheering because there is this word. Here is the word, abundance. There is this abundance that creates just this overwhelming joy where you smile and where you laugh. And Paul is saying God loves that kind of giver, that joyful, exuberant, overwhelmed with the abundance of God kind of giver. But here's the problem. Here, here's the rub. Here's the tension for us today. Many of us, me at least, I can't speak for you, many times we are not generous in that kind of exuberant way, are we? I will tell you this. Um, in my 40 years of life, I have never been a part of a, a church as generous as this church right here. So I want to affirm that in us, that I, I have seen our church, our small little body, do amazing things in their generosity. But I do believe there's more for us. Not necessarily in a number, but in a spirit, but in a way, um, in a kingdom. So here's what I mean. 
And this is where it gets kind of the main point, I think, of Paul's letter here, of, of what Paul's really getting to. Yet, yes, Paul is trying to get an offering for these churches. There's no doubt about that. But Paul wants something more. He doesn't want these people to miss out on something. Paul's going for the heart. He's going for the heart of these people, of what they truly care about. And going for the heart, it echoes the ministry of Jesus, right? Because Jesus was always going to the heart of his followers. Even those that opposed him, he would criticize them saying, you worry so much about the outside of the cup and you neglect the inside. You don't cultivate the heart. And here is the key. This is the key because the heart exposes which kingdom we belong to. The heart exposes what kingdom we're living under. We can sing all day long how he is the king upon the throne. But our heart and our actions which reveal the truth about us. And here's the key. Jesus came. Hear this. He came not just so you could say a prayer and go to heaven one day. That's definitely a part of it. But Jesus came to establish his kingdom rule here on earth now through us, his people. Mark 1, the start of his ministry, he says this, verse 14. After John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. He got to work. And here is the key. The t- he says here, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come near. God's kingdom through Jesus has come near. And here's the response, to repent and believe the good news. We have, friends, hear this. You today, we today, we have access to the kingdom of God today. The gospel, the good news, the works of Jesus give us access to a kingdom beyond our imaginations. A kingdom that your soul and my soul we ache for. And I know it's because all of our movies have the same kind of ending, right? Where the good guy wins, where people are made whole and renewed, where there's real community. We, we ache for these things, and they are available to us as God's people through the gospel. The gospel gives us access to this kingdom life. But many times, we're not living in the abundance of that kingdom because we're not living in the here and now kingdom, kingdom of Jesus. And many times that's because money has a hold on us. Doesn't it? Has a hold on us. Controls us. It brings fear to us. All these kinds of things. But here's our main thought for today. I'm going to give it to you. Kingdom people walk in joyful abundance. Kingdom people, people that are part of another kingdom, another way of existence, live in joyful abundance, like Connor at Party Central. But normal people, this world kind of people, walk in anxious hoarding. You see the difference there? The kingdom people, they walk in this joyful abundance where 
they are overjoyed because God has done so much to them and they're assured that God will keep taking care of them. There's this joyful abundance in their life. But walking in this other kingdom way leads to this fearful, anxious hoarding. No, 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 no. That's fine. No, 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 no. That's fine. I don't know if I'm going to get more of this, so I'm going to keep this for myself right here. And what's funny about this normal life of anxious hoarding, the more we get, the more we hoard. The more we get, the more we want. The more we get, the less satisfied we are. Amen? Just me. Cool. Because it's just true. It's just true. And this is what Paul is after. And I'll tell you, this is what I prayed for us all week for, is that we be kingdom people that walk in joyful abundance. See, our generosity, your generosity is much less about money and amounts. We get so hung up on all those kind of, it's much less about that and much more about what has a hold on you. Which kingdom has a hold on you? Which kingdom do you trust in? Which kingdom do you walk in? Which kingdom do you worship? That's what this is about today. So I gave a good story about my son, Connor. Now for the bad. He's not here, so he can't defend himself. Um, same event, Party Central. Got all, this is the side that we all can relate to right now. He got all these tickets. And then Mr. Luke Allen is playing a game at Party Central. Um, that's what we do on the weekends. Me and Luke take our kids, go to Party Central every weekend. And go-karts, the whole thing. And uh, Luke is playing this game, throwing a ball at a clown. Um, and uh, Luke says, hey, you want to play with me, Connor? And Connor's like, sure. You know, what a great moment, right? Luke and my son Connor, they're playing this game. And the game ends. And Luke reaches for the tickets. That was a mistake, Luke. And Connor says, no, those are my tickets. He's been overwhelmed with a jackpot of tickets, but he wants Luke's three tickets. If that is not a picture of anxious hoarding, I don't know what is. And the truth is, if I'm honest today, I relate more to that version of Connor than the abundance version of Connor with my trust of God sometimes. Because we get and we're just still anxiously hoarding. Kingdom people walk in joyful abundance. Kingdom people walk in joyful, but how do we walk in this kind of abundance? Like the world, I mean, the world like is not going to become like sunshines and rainbows uh, tomorrow, right? It's like COVID ended, now we have war. It's always something terrible on the horizon. I'm sorry, that's just the truth. Uh, but there is a way in the midst of the terribleness for us to walk in a kingdom way right now. And it's through... As Jesus said in Mark 1, repent and believe. Repent and believe. To walk in joyful abundance in God's kingdom, we have to repent. We have to turn. We have to turn away from this world and turn to something. We turn to the Father. We turn to him through this one word. And our, the first of our three steps today, which is trust. 
Repentance is all about turning away from something. To truly repent, we need to trust that what we are turning to God's kingdom, to the Father, is greater than what we're leaving behind, the kingdom of this world. In short, we have to trust that God is good and he is able and he is generous. We have to trust the Father is good. Go back to chapter 9 and verse 8. Paul knows this. And so Paul points these people to who God is and what he's going to do. He says, God is able. Sometimes I like to like just read verses like that and just sit and let the phrase that God is able just wash over me. So, and I'm preaching today, so we can just sit for a second and let God is able wash over us. God is able to make every grace overflow to you. Is that a stingy father? So that in every way, always having everything you need, the birds in the air, the grass in the field, everything you need so that you may excel in every good work. The Father is able, the Father is generous, the Father is loving, the Father is good. And in verse 9, as it is written, he gives freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness, his goodness endures forever. Friends, hear me today. A lot of things that we trust in are not worth anything, but I will stake my life on this. We can trust the Father. The Father is good. My fear is that many of us, I know this because it's in my heart, and when we talk, I think it's in your heart, is that I think we have a really hard time grasping the Father's love for us. And if we don't grasp that, we're not going to be generous, we're not going to be loving, we're not going to sacrifice because we're going to be stingy because we believe God is stingy. We don't believe that God freely gives and freely loves. And hear this, in our, in our kind of pause to really trust that God is loving and good, in that pause, as we hesitate, the enemy always steps in. The enemy always gives another false God to look to that we think will be good, but these false gods always let us down. But the true Father in heaven, this abundant God is able, will never let you down. Listen to this in John 17. Jesus, in this great prayer before he goes to the cross, he prays this. Father, I want those you have given, to be, given me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me. Here's the key. Because you loved me before the world's foundation. I think we missed this. Before there was a world, a creation, God, God the Father loved God the Son. Our Father at his very core is a Father who loves. And here is the beauty of us being here today. It's out of that love. It's out of that word abundance, overflowing abundant love that God created. It's not out of him being bored or him wanting to rule over us 
or be stingy with us. It's out of overflowing, abundant love of the triune God that he created. And it was our rebellion that left the abiding love of a triune God. But God didn't just stop there as we rebel. What did God do? God made a plan. God sent his son. God put on flesh to get close to us, even though we are the ones that rebelled through our sin. And as he got close to us, he made a way through his sacrificial death and his resurrection that we could now be back in the community with him. And then he sends his spirit down to literally get so close that he lives inside of us. Our father is not stingy. Our father is not repelled by us. Our father loves us. And our father is pursuing our hearts. He's not stingy. He's abundant. He's not cold. He is love. But here, here is the real truth. For us to trust in that kind of love we have to come to the end of ourselves. We have to. Whether it's through <laughs> mine is normally through my own sin. God has protected me from hardships that some of you have gone through, whether it's sickness, whether it's a loss of a low. I have not really experienced that in a profound way. I have experienced my own sin. I have experienced not being really worth forgiveness what's our word in Ephesians 2 but God but God Dallas Willard says this he says where do you find God at endofyourrope.com <laughs> because until you're at the end of your rope you're not going to find God you're just not going to find it friends because you are going to be assured that you don't need God and y'all have this agreement right that he can be stingy as long as you're prideful that never works out until a loving father lets you hurt yourself. Until a loving father uses a wound in your life to point you back to him. And then what the enemy does, he takes our suffering, he takes our sin and says, oh, God doesn't love you. He forgot about you. It's the opposite is true. It's a loving father. Well, so when your child messes up, what do you do? Do you ignore it? It's not loving, is it? You shouldn't murder them. Now, sometimes maybe you should, but um, it's a joke, please. It's a joke. Um, but we want to make sure that our kids are disciplined. They feel some pain, so they don't feel the greatest pain, right? So to step into this kingdom of light, to walk with an abundant, joyful heart, it always starts with trust. Starts with trust. But it doesn't end... And trust. How do we actually walk in this kingdom? I think part of the issue is for many of us, we have had this moment of trust, this experience of trust when we were young, or maybe we did blow it at some point, but that trust has waned. And it's because we've forgotten the second step for us today. It's focus. So to repent and believe, we start with trust, but we also must focus. Focus is continual trust that continually looks to Christ. This is the theme that you see all throughout the New Testament, right? 
Paul says this in 2 Corinthians as well. He says in verse 8, We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror for the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into that same image from glory to glory. John 15, this great passage on abiding in Christ. He says here, Remain in me and I in you. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains, remains in me, and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. Colossians 3, he says this, set your mind on things above, not earthly things. So friends, I should say, where is your focus today? Many times where your focus is, is where your heart's going to be as well. As I was reflecting yesterday, my heart, my focus has turned three times this week. Maybe you can relate to this. Monday and Tuesday, whoo, I was a good Christian on Monday and Tuesday. My focus was on Jesus. I was rising early. I was praying in the car. I was praying at night. I was walking with God. And I had this great joy and this great capacity and this great patience. And then life hits, right? You don't sleep good one night. You have a worrying conversation and your eyes begin to turn. They begin to shift. And on Wednesday and Thursday, I I didn't spend time with God the way that I normally do. And I was distracted and I was anxious and I was tired and I was just crabby, right? That's Tracy. Um, But then God in his loving provision, I took uh, Hayes to the zoo on Friday for a school trip uh, for some reason. And... um, so we do now. And uh, back in my day, I used to went places. I'd have to go with them. But, um, and I was at the zoo, and Hayes had something, he had a class at the zoo that I just sat there for by myself. And I'm not ranting at all. And I'm sitting outside, and there's a giraffe right there, and there's an elephant right there, and there was a beautiful day outside. And I was reminded of just God's love for me. And my focus turned. My focus turned. And I think for many of us, this is how we live our lives, right? But maybe your focus turned three years ago. And the enemy's voice just shouting shame over you, you never felt worthy to look back at God again. Or or maybe you were caught in your sin and you just kind of gave up. Maybe that's you today, but hear this. You didn't look to God because of your good works. God did good work so that we could see him. So look to him. Look to him, the founder of your salvation. And I will tell you, the world, the, the world is a focus machine. The world will just kind of just give you all kind of things to focus on over and over, whether it's your job or you need a new house or you need a new toy or you have this worry here or this savings here or this thing here. The world is a vending machine of focus worries, isn't it? It's a vending machine of these things. But I want to say three things to focus on as far as kingdom focuses. First, focus on God as provider. Focus on God as provider. And we will walk in deeper trust of him. This is that prayer, right? Lord, give us this day our daily bread. He is the one who gives us the bread. He gives us the talent. He gives us the energy. He gives us the health so we can go out and we can work. But he is the provider. 
Second, focus on God as Savior. This grows our mercy. If I, in a sense, this is me asking God to forgive me my sins, right? As I'm aware of my sins, I am then merciful to other people. It grows our mercy. Last, focus on God as Father, because that grows our love. And if you're a parent in this room, you have an everyday, tangible expression of a way to feel this as you look at your own child. And here's the crazy thing. As much as you love your kids, it pales in comparison to how much the Father loves you. So we walk in repentance by trusting and focusing. But we believe through our final step. Obey. Obey. Belief is wrapped up in obedience. We've taken this word belief and made it fully just a mental assent to the doctrines of our faith. But biblically, belief always includes action because obedience is the proof of our belief. To walk and live in the kingdom of God, there must be obedience. This is Jesus, right, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, that the man who walks in solid ground is the man who what? Hears and what, what else? Obeys. If we hear and we obey, we walk in this new plane of existence. In today's passage, the obedience God is, he, that Paul is calling his people to is generosity with their money. There is no way around preaching this passage and not talking about obedience through giving of our money. We can't soften that blow. Be nice to, right? Just kind of make it a generic point of obedience, right? But we can't do it because the text doesn't allow us to. And second, Jesus talks all the time about the hold that money can have on us, about how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I know this many times, it is money that is the hold, the obstacle, uh, the gatekeeper towards this kingdom life of abundance and generosity and peace and love. But if we don't obey what God has called us to with our money, hear this, friends, we will miss out. Paul says this way, if we reap sparingly, we will sow sparingly. Go back to verse 10 in this passage, chapter 9. Because Paul shows us what it looks like to reap a lot. He says here, now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your cars and houses. Nope. Of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way for all generosity which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Our generosity has a multiplying effect, but not in the way that we sometimes think. 
we hear, you know, you reap what you sow. That means if I give a lot, I'll get a lot. Yes, you will get a lot, but it is not always financial. There is something much greater than financial blessing. It's walking in a kingdom of God where we don't have to worry about money. That's a much greater promise. 13, because the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. Paul's saying this, when we sow obedient generosity, we reap not worrying about money. When we sow obedient generosity, we reap the blessings of others. When we sow obedient generosity, we reap love for each other. When we sow obedient generosity, we reap spiritual enrichment. So about a year or two ago, um, I felt this uh, God leading me to work more towards a ministry of counseling and helping others through a counseling type ministry, nothing official. Um, but to do that, it would take uh, time, uh, money for classes, uh, just personal growth through reading and learning from others, all these things that um, I wasn't sure about. Um, and over the past year, um, I've taken classes, I've met with people, I've read books, I have learned I have grown, and I have not seen one penny from that. But I will tell you what I have seen. I've been, I've been blessed to sit with people in their darkest moments and give the gift of the encouragement of the gospel. We're not driving bins at my house, but what I have what am I talking about? Um, but what I have seen is people who had no hope are now full of hope. There has been this like great overflowing of riches and new houses and new vacations. But what I have seen as people that were just fully ashamed in their sin are now themselves ministers of reconciliation. Because friends, when we step out in some kind of obedience, God takes our meager obedience and he uses them for great eternal kingdom impacts, which is far greater than any earthly blessing that you or I could imagine. Because kingdom people walk in joyful obedience. And I guess what I, want to hear, what I want us to hear today is this, is that we, the church, we, God's people, hear this, please, we can walk in a different way than the rest of the world. And I'm not just talking about budgeting, and there's good tools with that. I'm talking about an ethos. I'm talking about our spirit. I'm talking about our hearts. That we as God's people in God's kingdom would live with this abundance mindset and not a scarcity mindset. And this is one of the biggest struggles for me as a follower of Jesus, where God has come through over and over and over and over again in my life, but I still have these doubts about, well, what about next time, right? But walking in God's kingdom, we walk in, we walk in trust and peace 
and abundance. Because listen, blessing others with your money is a greater joy than any vacation we can imagine. Walking in trust in God and his kingdom and living in that abundance is greater than having this huge savings account. It's greater than the numbers of this world. So my hope is that today, that you, that we, would take a step into this kingdom living. That we would, even this week, almost be amazed at what it's like to walk in the kingdom of God. So I have three steps for us today that I want to encourage you to take. And I believe all three steps we all need to walk in today. So one size fits all. First step, trust the Father and focus on him. It's very basic. Trust the Father. Trust that he is good. If you don't believe he's good, talk to someone who does. Sometimes we need the testimony of another brother or sister in Christ to remind us that God, our Father, is good. Trust that the Father is good and arrange your life to focus on him. Because we we forget the goodness of God every single hour of every single day. Amen? Don't we? So find a way, whatever your way is, to trust in the Father and focus on him. You've got to warm up the, gener- the, the, gener- the generous heart. Second, this is the hard one. Well, second hardest one. Ask him how he wants you to be generous with your money. No fancy words there. Ask God how he wants you to be generous with your money. So I've got to say this, elephant in the room, I'm highly aware that we're in the middle of an initiative with a card for next week. (laughs) And it feels a bit self-serving to even preach this in the midst of that. But I will tell you this, and Lucas said this and I'll echo the same thing. Um, If you, you don't trust this initiative, If you don't feel like this is what God has called you to be a part of, that's fine. Ask God what he wants you to give and who to give it to and how you will sacrifice. Because just like Paul asked for this offering, yes, amen, let's do this. But more important than that is turning away from from the hole that money has on many of our hearts. For me as a pastor, I am much more concerned about this. I promise you this. If we're at PCA when I die, I will die a happy man. I'll be tired. My back's going to be bad. Um, Maybe I need this. I have no idea just for my own health. But it's not the point. It's not the point. Luke mentioned this in the welcome earlier. It has been overwhelming to see all that God has done. Because for some of you in this room, the big step is going to be adopting or, or starting a church or, or fostering or going knocking on your, on your neighbor's door. It's going to be some kind of other faith step. It's been so cool to see that. But ask him how he wants you to be generous with your money. Third step, last one, risk obeying. Risk obeying. He might say to give $1,000 to your neighbor tomorrow. Risk obeying. He might say, commit this to this offering, risk obeying. 
He might say, cash out your retirement and go adopt a child. Risk obeying. I don't know where your heart is with, with money and the hold it might have on you, but I will tell you this. There is a great joy and there is a, there is a great harvest at the other side of obeying God. Because as we continually look to him, trust in him, hear from him, and obey him, our capacity for life, for the good things of life, for being generous and abundant and loving, it just grows. But many times it, it only grows on the other side of obedience. Let me pray for us. Uh, dear Lord, thank you for um, thank you for this word, and a word that can be hard at times. A, a word about money and about how we spend our money and what we do with our money can be hard to hear. But what I'm thankful for is that we have access to your kingdom through the gospel. That we can walk in this new way of life because of your works. The works of even though you were rich, you became poor for our sake. That even though you were perfect, you took on the punishment for our sake. So that we can walk in this newness of life, in this kingdom life. And Father, I ask and I pray that we would be a people. A people that the world could see that these people are just different. There's not anxious hoarding. There's abundant joy. Let us be abundant people. We love you, Jesus. We pray all this in your name. Amen. And we close today with communion, this just perfect reminder that there is nothing that we, no money we can give, no amount we can serve, nothing we can do to earn the favor of God. It came through one person, through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So as we take today, if you're not a member of our church, that's okay. Uh, you need to be a follower of Jesus to take this with us. If that's not you, just please sit this one out today. But before you come, just sit with God for a minute and let him speak to you. Let him encourage you. Let him kind of show you where you're at today and respond with obedience. Come when you're ready.